This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bat Page Breakdown. I'm your host, Antoine Staley. Uh, you can always find me at Antoine Staley on Twitter and all the social media platforms, too. Also find my work covering the Jets and also the NFL at the New York Daily News as well. So with me today, I have a special guest, somebody that I've followed for a little while now. I've been on his show earlier uh, this year and you now with the Jets and Raiders coming into town uh, playing on Sunday. I thought it'd be good to have him call Scott Branson uh, from, from Silver and Black. Scott, how you doing? Good, buddy. I appreciate you having me on and uh, always good to talk football. And by the way, you got if you don't already follow Antoine, on x.com you have to I, I i love your stuff man it's always good fun and it's always great to talk to you uh, it's always good to talk to you too and yeah i always always love the raider stuff that you put out too as well so yeah that's always I appreciate a good that. thing as well and so by the way get, go ahead. i was gonna just tell you that my my usual partner mo moton sends his best uh and uh he's 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 doing breaking news of course you know i mean what the heck is that all about isn't he in uh new york city too he is in New York City. That's yes. Oh, yeah. He's close by it, me. So, yes, he grew up. Imagine growing up in the city as a Raiders fan. And then it's so funny, too, because we we have these fa- these listeners who uh, go back to where you grew up. And so they they assume that you're a fan. So they a lot of them call Mo a Closet Jets fan. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty big Raiders uh, following in the city, too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Peter Dillon is a place big Raider fans been meeting it for years. So, yeah, I'm not even from here, but I knew about that just, you know, growing up. And also, you know, if people don't know, I grew up a Raider fan as well, growing up in North Carolina. So, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like they're everywhere. <laughs> like when they say it's Raider Nation, it's truly, it's just the truth because they're literally everywhere. Like no matter where you go in the country, I've learned you always can find a Raider fan or two, like in the middle of nowhere. So that's no like doubt. I said, I've lived just about everywhere. So I can tell you that from personal experience. <laughs> but before we get into things, too, and uh, like I say, in this game, I de- we got to talk about Bet Online. The last major pro sports leagues is off and running, and college basketball is now here as well. Bet Online is the major top, sport, top spot for all the live betting and contests from the NFL, college football, UFC, NHL. Who are also all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one information source for all wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport alongside your fingertips. Bet Online uh, also has desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online with a game started. So, yeah, man, it's like, yeah, just to get into it, the Raiders have had an interesting few weeks, <laughs> to say the least. So, so just talk about just uh, what you've seen and just kind of how you thought the team uh, responded on Sunday in a big win against the Giants. Well, I think I think what you saw against the Giants, and, and we know the Giants aren't a good football team, um, but that's beside the point because what the Raiders were going through, I think, was something that a lot of us can actually relate to for a second. I'll just take this aside, which is, if you've ever worked in a toxic work environment, if you ever worked at a place where it was a lot of negativity, a lot of uh, 
uh, assertion of control, not trying to earn respect, but demanding respect. And I think that's what they had with Josh McDaniels. And I think you saw a team that that was really tight that walked on eggshells. Hunter Renfro, the, the Raiders wide receiver, said this after it all went down. He said, yeah, it's nice to come in here and not walk on eggshells. And anytime you do that, I don't care if it's in a personal relationship or whatever, it's hard. How, how can you be your best when you're walking around and the mood is that way? And that mood, from what we're told from people who work uh, on the non-football side and the business office side, that permeated the whole building. So his Josh McDaniel's presence at the Raiders facility kind of brought everything down. So you saw that kind of just breath of fresh air for this team. And yes, they go out and they scored uh, over 20 points for the first time in the season on offense, clearly getting putting up 30 on the Giants. And you saw a team uh, loose playing like they should. You also saw a coaching staff under who is a great leader, former New York Giant, of course, Antonio Pierce, who is what I believe. And, and again, my job isn't to cheer for the Raiders, but I will tell you, you, you watch this guy speak and you're like, yeah, okay, let's go, man. I'm behind you because that's what you need in a coach. You need a leader who is going to not only give you respect, but demand respect and demand performance, but do it in a way that rallies people together before this, the Raiders, you could tell it was a fractured uh, situation and they just were not performing, especially on offense. And, and I know Jets fans can relate to bad offenses right now. Um, and that is because they, they were expected to be a very good offense, but a bad defense. And that's why most of us picked them to win seven or eight games at best. And um, the offense just didn't perform well. And Josh McDaniels was known as an offensive genius. And they were next to last in the league. And then you had bad quarterback play. So all of this goes down and you just saw, uh, I think, a light come on for these guys. And whether or not that means they can make a big run, especially with their schedule getting more difficult down the stretch, I don't know. But I do know that they are in a much better place and I think they're going to play better football because of it. Yeah, I think, I mean, just hearing Antonio Pierce talk, speak before even they play the game, and you just wanted to run through a wall. like, And I could just see why Bart Davis put this guy in charge because it just brings a whole whole nother energy just to your, to the building. Just listening to him, you're just like, yeah, this is exact. I don't know how many games he's going to win, but you definitely win the day as far as the press conferences and, you know, motivating players. And, and as you know, too, I mean, part of it is just leading men. Like, you have to be yes. a leader of men if you're going to be a head coach in this in any way and whether it be nfl nhl nba whatever like if you're going to be a coach like in the figure of a franchise you have to be a uh, leader of men and that's something that Antonio clear Antonio pierce clearly is a leader of men above everything else yeah and he also uh really won over raider nation quickly right because he talked about the history he talked about growing up in compton growing up listening to nwa wearing his raider hat and all that stuff so it, it's it's there's there's a piece of it. so Raider Nation who's very very as you know protective of one another uh, and and has that chip on their shoulder that was given to them by Al Davis that's how Al Davis was so you go back to that and then you hear Antonio Pierce talk about that and you hear him talk about we are going to bring back what the Raiders are and that's attitude whether or not they win to your point is almost secondary I know this is a game about winning and you don't last long if you don't win. But he, they needed healing, as crazy as that sounds, and he's given them that healing, and he's got the cred, man. He's got the street cred. He even, uh, Levi Edwards, a guy who's a, a on-staff reporter there with the Raiders, um, yeah, I know tweeted Levi out a too. picture. 
driving it around in his 64 Impala, right? So this guy is a genuine article. He's not some guy who's going to get up and say all the right things to say the right things. He lives it. He's got a ring from winning a Super Bowl. He's been in the shoes of the players too. And, you know, players who become coaches don't always work out, but then there are times when a team needs that. And these guys have that in this leader. So I think whatever they're able to do the rest of the season, Antoine, uh, they will achieve the best that they can because he's going to empower them to do that. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that too. And as you, your point is like the radio day, it's a, it's a, it's just a culture. Yes. Like, and then it's very hard to explain unless you're like a Raider fan, but it is, I mean, it's, I, I, you know, I say this, like, it's like, it's unlike any other fan base to a point, to an extent where they've moved around a lot, but there's still fans everywhere. And also like you, to your point too, like, I feel like hip hop had a lot to do with, you know, the Raiders and, you know, Brandon, and especially me growing up. I mean, you see people like NWA and Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and EZE wearing Raider gear too. And also just other celebrities back then as well. And it, that's how you kind of, that's how people became fans ultimately of the yeah. team. Like it's they're unique in that way. Yes, the the Raiders have always been kind of the renegades, which is why um, it, they get sometimes a bad rep, right? People people will make fun of them. Oh, your fans are all in jail and all that stuff. And that's not what it's about. It's and it goes back to Al Davis, right? But also to your point, they were counterculture. And so when when NWA hit, and I lived, I grew up in San Diego, so I was in Southern California when all that stuff happened. And, and that's what it was. It was counterculture. It was coming from the streets and it was different. And that's how the Raiders have always been. If you go back to the heyday of Raider football, when you talk about guys like John Matuzak and Lyle, I mean, these guys would tear your head off. Now you can't yes. do that in the NFL anymore, but these are the guys where you're on the ground, like the late Dick Buckus who just passed, who are going to hit you in the crotch. They're going to try to poke your eye out. They're going to put their finger in your nose and you know, they're going to do all that kind of stuff. So that's the, that's the persona that came off, but, but you're right from a cultural standpoint too. It, that's, what's really been interesting for me covering the team, not growing up a Raider fan for seven years is from the outside, you really misunderstand it. Once you're on the inside, you understand it much better and you see the diversity there too. I mean, not only were you talking about like the, the rise of hip hop and of course, NWA and those guys in, in the black community, but then there's a, I did a, I did a show a couple of years ago uh, with a filmmaker who was who did a whole documentary on the meaning of the Raiders to Latino audiences, right? Especially yes. from their LA days, especially. There's also, of course, Hispanics up in the Bay Area, but in Los Angeles, that really took root. And he did a whole thing and how big it extends into Mexico, right? In Mexico, you will find massive amounts of Raiders fans as well, and they relate to the culture. So it, it, it that's what's been, I think, the toughest thing is to see this team languish and struggle for so long because that fan base, man, they are so rabid. They could be 0-12 and people will still live and die with what happened with the Raiders on Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's what I said. That's what part of makes them unique. I know you touched on the offense too as well. And yeah, I mean, they beat the Giants, but I mean, the Jets played them the week before and scored only 13 points as well. So yeah, both of these offenses are really struggling. What, what, what differences did you see with the offense on Sunday compared to, you know, the previous games where, I mean, they were struggling just to do it much anything offensively. Yeah, I think there were two key things here. Number one, you got to start with quarterback. As you guys know, with the Jets especially too, um, quarterback play is everything in the NFL. If you don't have good quarterback play, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, doesn't matter what kind of weapons you have, you're not going to be able to win if you don't score points. And so for the Raiders, going to the rookie Aiden O'Connell, right? And we don't know. He's a fourth-round pick. 
Uh, we don't know what he's going to be. We don't know if he is a full-time NFL starter for the rest of his career or what. It's too early to decide. But what you saw with him against the Giants on Sunday was a quarterback who uh, uses his head and he doesn't turn the ball over. When he did a spot start for the uh, against the Chargers when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt the first time, uh, he put he gave the ball away three times. He fumbled twice and threw an interception uh, close to the end zone late in the game. And, and so that's why Josh McDaniels used that as an excuse not to play him again in Chicago when Garoppolo was out yet again, uh, instead going with Brian Hoyer, which was a disaster. But, but Aiden O'Connell uh, didn't give the ball away, and he was good. Was he perfect? No. He's got some issues with his feet. He needs to work on his footwork. But overall, he moves the offense. We saw it in the preseason. I know the preseason's a different animal, but he moved the ball. Second was the play calling. Bo Hardegree, who took over as the offensive coordinator after the firings, um, did a great job. I mean, he really mixed it up. He put more motion in. Uh, the offensive line kept a clean pocket for the rookie quarterback. And so I think the offensive looks you saw using people like Trey Tucker, the rookie out of Cincinnati, who is lightning fast. I mean, he might not be exactly as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he's close. He had a, the 50-yard um, reception against yeah. the Giants, which is the longest pass of the year for the Raiders. Uh, and then Josh Jacobs, man. I mean, Josh Jacobs ran like an angry man again. And, and that was all the difference in the world because you got a rookie quarterback back there. If you can run the ball effectively, especially early, which they did, and allow your quarterback the time with, a good, with good protection, you're going to make it a lot easier on him. And they didn't ask O'Connell to do too much, right? So they went vertical a few times because he can throw the ball. Uh, but I think that was the biggest difference. These guys just believed in their quarterback and they believed in what they were doing offensively and it worked. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think he played particularly bad in the charges. Like I know some turnovers there, but I felt like they still had a chance to win that game. I just thought it was the ridiculous play. It was one particular play call. Like they had a chance to score a touchdown late and then he ended up throwing an interception, which I thought, why not just try to run the football in that situation yes. or do something a little <laughs> bit better? Uh, but, yeah, I just thought that the play caller was more of the concern would be, especially with him. I feel like both of these teams are really in different – in the same places, especially with quarterbacks. And, you know, you got Aiden O'Connor, who's a young guy, who I really do like. And then you got Zach Wilson with the Jets, who, you know, some people like. Some people do not. I mean, obviously, you know, Robert Sala is remaining loyal to him. And I feel like, you know – the Jets are in a bad place right now. They're one of the worst offenses in the league, too, whether you talk about points per game and also yardage as well. And, you know, we kind of saw them stall out really against the Chargers last week. And even before that against the Giants, they really couldn't get much of anything going until, you know, really the fourth quarter at overtime. So, yeah, I feel like both of these teams are definitely in similar spots, but it just happened to be, you know, the Raiders were, you know, they got a little bit of a bolt of energy, especially with the coaching change, too, as well. Yeah. And I mean, I get it with the Jets. Like, I don't know. I mean, I see why he sticks with Zach Wilson because there's nothing else. I mean, what are you going to do? And again, you had That's Aaron Rodgers. Right. The Jets had Aaron Rodgers. So the expectations of the fan base and my expectations of the Jets uh, were off the charts, too. I thought they were going to do really, really well. And their defense obviously is doing well. So so it, it's interesting, though, too. I, I just finished a piece that's going to run up on SportsNot um, uh, next week. And it's about the quarterback play in the league, right? So you talk about Zach Wilson, and, and I, you see a lot of those, a lot of us guys who cover the league, like you and me, and talk about it all week. And you talk about, man, the quarterback play is just not as good as it used to be. So I delved into the numbers, 
And one of the findings I found was guys just don't get that much time to develop, right? Because the average yes. coaching 10 years, about three years, like you got three years as a coach, most of the time, if you're fortunate enough and yes. things don't go really bad. And so how can a, how can a, a head coach say, yeah, okay, I'm going to stick with Zach Wilson for three years until he hits his stride and go through the pain. I, I'll be fired. So, so it's unfortunate for those quarterbacks because they don't get the chance to do it. And when they do get a chance to do it, you got to perform right away. And that's a lot. I mean, there's some guys, look, we can look at CJ Stroud, amazing year, but there's, that's, that's a unicorn. Like you get a couple of those guys occasionally, but overall, sometimes guys just take time to develop. And, and I think you look at this, this matchup on Sunday, these two teams have quarterbacks in those positions. Obviously Zach Wilson had last year and everything that happened then. Um, and, and the expectations are so high. And the league's defenses have gotten better against these offenses. And, man, that just creates a tough situation for these guys. Yeah, to your point, yeah, I feel like when you become a head coach, you essentially have to take a quarterback unless you already have a franchise quarterback there. But that tends right. to not be the case because that's usually why teams are firing coaches because they can't find either a quarterback situation or something. So, But, yeah, because you're on the clock at that point and you really yeah. have three years to try to win, and I think – Back when, like, I was a kid, it would be okay. Give a guy three years and see what he can do. Now, now all of a sudden, people want it now, especially when you're seeing these quarterbacks, you know, be successful in their first or second year. You know, you talked about C.J. Stroud. You look at, you know, the other side of the coin with Bryce Young. You know, people were already calling him a bust, but I feel like that's not fair to him, especially considering yeah. the things that they are, they, the lack of weapons that they have with the Panthers too. So, yeah, exactly. I don't know if C.J. Stroud would have been as successful you know being a panther but you know nevertheless he's off to a really good start and yeah zach i didn't feel like they brought and I, they've even admitted this too they didn't provide him with enough support that they should have at least early on they pretty much just handed him the keys and you know said just try to you know develop on the fly and obviously that didn't work and then now they're trying to you know end up bringing in a veteran like an air rush to help you know you know tutor him a little bit and of course aaron gets hurt so and zach wasn't even supposed to play this year at right. all and then all of a sudden he gets thrusted into the role four plays into the season and then now people expect him to all of a sudden just turn it on but i mean he is what he is i mean and then like you said to your other point as well you got tim Bull and you got trevor simeon people are clamoring for trevor simeon but we know what trevor simeon is we already know what he is yeah. so it's really no point in trying to bring him in unless there's an injury that occurs like zach i mean we kind of already know what he is too but i think zach probably is your best option at this point to be quite honest with you. Right. And, and I, I know Jets fans won't like me saying this, but I think solid did the right thing. When, when, when Rogers went out, it's like, Hey, this is our guy. We're going to have to stick with him. Like Aaron will be back next year. I know a lot of people like to see him back this year and he looks like he could be, but who knows? Uh, but I, I think that you got to do it in the right spot. What are you going to do? Go trade for another quarterback, give up draft capital when you need to go get offensive linemen, you need to get more on offense too. What do you do there? I, I think it's a tough situation, but like you said, people want it right now. And again, I feel it because Jets fans had such high expectations as did the media for this team with Aaron Rodgers on it and, and, and that defense, which is phenomenal. So, yes. so you see that and you understand people's expectations, but man, Injury is is the is is the great equalizer in the NFL. I mean, you just you see it. Uh, and okay, Josh Dobbs did a great job in Minnesota, but Kirk Cousins out. We'll see if Dobbs can continue. I mean, all these different situations. You've had more starting quarterbacks through half a season than you've had over the last five seasons for the total season. So yeah, you got it, ten rookies right now starting. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's, ten it's rookies. Insane. 
And then Anton, we all got so spoiled, even though I used to root against these guys, used to get so spoiled when you had Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, no matter what you think of him as a person. All these guys, they they had it was there's 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 these periods of time. It's like a bell curve where you have these golden ages of quarterbacks. You have a bunch of rookies come in, they're touted, they're good, they develop and they win, right? So you have so you enjoy 10, 12, 15 years, whatever the time frame is. And then you cycle through again. So now we're in that cycle where the new guys, the new bloods are coming in and they're trying to make their way, but the expectations are much different than it right. was. Yeah. I mean, a Peyton Manning, sure. Tom Brady's a different story, but some of these guys came out and they were expected to be great right away. But overall, no. I mean, you, Ben Roethlisberger went to Miami of Ohio. It wasn't like he came out of Alabama or Tennessee or somewhere like that. He was a guy who developed into a good quarterback. And, and so I think we're in that period now where it's, it's, the, ch it's the changeover. And we're seeing these young guys, and they're going to struggle. Because I agree with you, like, on Bryce Young. I don't think Bryce Young is going to be a bust. I think he's going to be a fine quarterback when they put the pieces around him. And Zach Wilson, I understand why people are not high on him, and he hasn't performed well at times. But you don't know. Sometimes these guys, all it takes is a couple games, and they hit their stretch, and they become more confident. Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like, you know, social media is also another component where it's kind of got people like everything wants it now and everything like that too. Uh, I kind of want to get to these defenses too real quick because I feel like both of these def teams have really, really good defense. I, I, didn't, I never went that far. I mean, although I thought they would be really good. I thought one of the better defenses there, but I think the Raiders uh, defense has really surprised a lot of people. Just talk about outside of Max Crosby, who I think everybody is starting to, and I'm happy about starting to be aware of as one of the best pass rushers, at least to me, one of the top three best pass rushers in football. What else has made this Raider defense really good? Yeah, I, th I think it's been it's been a workmanlike effort up front. They still need to get better pressure up the middle, but they're getting good production uh, out of guys up front, and they're getting good production, too, from young defensive backs. So you look at guys like Nate Hobbs, who came out of Illinois as a third-round draft pick. He was hurt a little bit earlier in the year. Amik Robertson, one of our favorite guys on our show. Uh, he's been yeah. on our show several times, uh, and he's, a, he's only 5'9". Right. This is a guy, but he is a ball hawk. He had another interception against the Giants. And, and so that defensive backfield, you added some guys there as well, like Isaiah Epps. These guys have filled in. And I think more than anything, Antoine, what's happened with the Raiders defense isn't so much. The play is certainly better, but the, the coaching from Patrick Graham and, and the cohesion, these guys working together has been really good. They've had good surprises. Divine Diablo, a kid they drafted, has developed. Now he's hurt right now. But at linebacker, linebacker's been a black hole for the Raiders, right? And they went out and got Spillane from the Steelers, and they've played well. They're a little slow, you know, and, and some, of the, against some, of these, some of these faster offenses, like when they start playing the Dolphins and the Chiefs, I think we'll see some of that. But overall, I think they just believe in what they're doing, and they're getting turnovers. The Raiders have been near the, the bottom of the league for the last five years in takeaways. Now suddenly, ever since the Charger loss, this defense has turned the corner. They've given up three touchdowns in the past two games, and that included a game on Monday night against the Detroit Lions. And one of those touchdowns, they gave up two to them. One of those touchdowns was late in the game. Jameer Gibbs was just running over yeah. a defense that had been on the field the entire game because the Raiders had no offense. So, so they are keeping teams in check. It's not always pretty. They'll give up a big play, and, and they're not great against the run, which we'll talk about. But they are getting the most out of the talent they have, and they're getting young guys to perform at a high level. And that, to me, you gotta you gotta credit Patrick Graham, and you gotta 
think about that maybe it just clicked for them. They now having been in the system for a while, they just feel it. They understand what the role is. We're not seeing as many busted coverages. We're not seeing guys confused on coverage. So, so I think that's why this defense is, is, is achieving what they have. Are they a top 10 defense? Of course not. They're not the jets defense, but they are doing enough. Now, if their offense can move the ball and score to win games that they were losing over the past two years. Yeah, I think the thing that what you touched on is like being they're opportunistic. Like they Correct. really get a lot of turnovers, and and that's kind of I think both of these defenses are very the same, are the same, or very similar in that way because that's where the Jets have been lived on. Like they they've created turnovers. Something last year they weren't able to do, although they were a top five defense. This year has been you know they've gotten interceptions, they've gotten fumbles, although they didn't get any against the Chargers, which I think actually hurt. You know, especially when you have yeah. a poor offense the way that it is. But if they can get any kind of turnovers, you looked at the game against the Eagles there. They they forced three interceptions against Jalen Hurst there. You know, yeah. make Patrick Will Holmes look like look ordinary, which is very hard to do in this league, as you know. And then Josh <laughs> Allen, the same thing, forced four four turnovers too. They made the best quarterbacks in the league look like you know, just ordinary guys. And I think, yeah. you know, that's kind of what they're gonna have to do in a game like this, too. And you know, you looked at they, they end up losing to the Patriots, but crazy enough, that was a game where Matt Jones actually, he's probably the, him and Dak oh, Prescott have probably been the guys that's played the Jets the best all yeah. year. All Isn't that crazy? Long. Yeah. Yeah, I know, it's, right? It's weird. Some guys perform that way against certain teams and you can't explain it. And, and it's not even, it's not even worth the time to try to figure it out. They just go out and they ball that game. But yeah, I mean, that Jets defense, uh, you know, I saw Sauce Gardner play in college at, at the University of Cincinnati. He, he's a stud. And then, of course, you got the Williams brothers. I mean, yeah. listen, that Jets defense, man, I mean, it is it is phenomenal. It, you look at every level and you just say, OK, OK, OK. Right They're They're there. And look, not everybody's going to play every play perfectly. But that Jets defense gives them a chance to keep, stay in the game. And against the Chargers, look what they did to Justin Herbert. Right. Justin Herbert is touted as this the next coming of the great quarterback. And they kept him in check, man. Uh, again, the run was a problem, of course, yes. but but not 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 the pass. I mean, they kept him in check. And I think that that's what's interesting about this game coming up, too, is both these teams can run the ball well, and both of them don't stop the run very well uh, as well. But but yeah, that Jets defense, man, I, 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 I like watching them. When I'm watching games on Sunday, I always have one of my four boxes on my YouTube TV with the Jets in it because I, I just love watching them on defense. Yeah, I think so. I think their Achilles heel has been running away, especially when Al Woods went down. When you lose a yeah. big body like that, then that oh, really yeah. hurts your run defense too. And I think the Giants took advantage of it with Saquon. I feel like they did a serviceable job against uh against Austin Eckler, but mm -hmm. at the same time, they were they had short fields. So the Jets oh, Chargers yeah. decided just to run the football. And then yeah, also Justin Herbert, only 136 yards passing. Had you told me that would have been the case, I would have said the Jets are definitely gonna win. Yeah, and then not only was that the, not the case, they won by three touchdowns. A if somebody told me that, I would have. Been oh like, yeah, what? <laughs> no, a six a sixty four quarterback ranking for Justin Herbert. It might be one of the lowest he's had in his career so far, right? So you have that, and then you have the punt return, right? So you have these big plays, and yeah. and and I always talk about it, and I think it's the most underestimated thing because I think when. When people watch NFL games, you get caught up in how the offense is doing, you cut up the defenses, and you don't put them together and say, well, it's all about complementary football. And you said it perfectly. When you're on a short field, man, this is the NFL. Like, you got talent everywhere. So if you give an a NFL team and they only got to play on a short field, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to win that battle because you just, you, you, you're at such a disadvantage, especially if your offense can't move the ball. 
that what do you want your defense, even a defense as good as the Jets, who don't who didn't give up that many points, right? It's like you look at that and you're like, okay, you can't win games with a great defense unless you have complimentary football on the other side. And so um, that's that's what's happened with both these teams. And uh, when they duke it out, it'll be funny to see if, if watch. I, Mo and I were talking about this, and I think it's we both think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yes. And now watch, they'll go out and they'll throw for 400 yards each, and it'll be a 30, 38 to 31 <laughs> game or something stupid like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think both of these teams are quite similar. Like it's kind of like with the boxing phrase "styles make fights." I think both uh-huh. of these teams are very uh, similar in that way. They play good defense. They, you know, the Jets like to run the ball. Obviously, with Breesaw too. I, I think some of the, I think the keys are, well, for the Jets anyway. If they can obviously stop the run and Josh Jacobs, you know, force Aiden O'Connell to beat them as well, and create some turnovers. And then, yeah, they have to get Brees Hall going. I think the problem with you know, Brees Hall and tremendous running back. I think everybody knows that. But, you know, when you're not able to throw the ball, teams are really putting eight in the box and really dedicating to stop him, which also eliminates, you know, the big plays he's able to do. If they can get some big plays, then I think they've got a chance to win this game. But, you know, I can say the same thing about the Raiders, too. They get Devontae involved, too, as well. I know they like to uh, – they don't like to play one cornerback on – one wide receiver like him and DJ Reed, who has been, you know, equally as good as sauce this year. I'm yeah. sure he'll play both uh, uh, Devontae Adams really well, but he didn't get him involved as well. I definitely think, you know, the Raiders definitely have an opportunity to win this game too. So it's, it's going to be a slut fest. I expect for, for both sides. Yes, that's exactly what I said. It was going to be just a knockdown, drag him out affair. And I mean, look, I even it, you look at the jets offense and I think people forget because of Zach Wilson struggles at times they forget Garrett Wilson, right? And you have to, when you're a defender, you have to account for Garrett Wilson. You have to, right? And I yeah. think that that's going to be a challenge for the Raiders. And then I mentioned the Williams brothers earlier too, uh, on the front and a linebacker, they're going to have to account for them too. Those are the three guys along with Brees Hall. So four guys that I think uh, if I'm the Raiders, uh, that's who I'm worried about. I'm worried about those guys um, uh, in this game and, and making sure that we do all we can to contain them because uh, you know, if, if, if Zach gets hot and starts flinging the ball and has the time to do it and Wilson's there, he's going to get it. So I think that, and then you, you couple that with the running game with, with uh Brees hall and, and, and boy, I think you're going to see, I think you were going to see mirrored offenses here. I think you're going to see young quarterbacks that aren't going to take a ton of risk. They are going to take some, but I think you're going to see a lot of these shorter passes as we've seen around the league all season. And you're going to see a steady dose of Brees hall and Josh Jacobs running the ball and even getting the ball out of the backfield on some swing passes and all that. I think they're going to utilize that and and try to make sure that their quarterbacks are set up for success, right? Not try to put too much pressure. That's why it's important for both teams not to get down uh, multiple scores early. They got to keep it close early, I think, is the key for both teams. That's what I was about to say. I think the, whoever starts the fastest, I think, is probably going to win the game. The Jets typically don't start out very fast, and then they're they're down. They've been down in every single game. So, wow. but they have haven't been able to fight back. And then once you go, once the Chargers went up fourteen nothing, you're kind of like, yes, it might be over because they they cannot score points. So I think you know starting out fast for both of these teams is really key too. But yeah, go, go ahead. You want to say something? Well, I was going to say too. the Jets, like uh, people were asking me, you know, Raiders are playing at home. They're underdogs at home to the Jets, by the way. I know it's more of like a pick because I think it's a point and a half right now. Yes. Uh, but, you, but you look at that and you say, how is that? Well, the Jets coming off an embarrassing loss at home on, on, on national TV, right? You know, 
I would say, and maybe I'm overplaying it, Antoine, maybe, uh, that that I hate to play teams like that, right? Because they're they they want to come and they want to punch you in the mouth because they they got embarrassed and and they want to show that they and then look at the division, right? You look at the division, Miami's faltering a little bit now. Of course, Buffalo's struggling. I've been as bold to say as I think Buffalo, I, I love Josh Allen, but I think their window is like it's only like Bolton. this much open. It's closed. Right. Their defense is old and hurt. Um, I mean, Vaughn Miller, great player, but man, he was invisible on Sunday. So, so you look at that and you say, okay, the Jets are going to come in ready to play. I have every belief that that's the case. And then you look at the Raiders side and the Raiders have this game at home and then they got to go to Miami and then they got to play the chiefs and then they get the body. Right? So the Raiders really need this game. The, the Jets really need this game. Yes. And so that's why I think it's going to be, like you said, to use boxing as an example. It's going to be a 15-rounder, and whoever the last man standing, you might not know until the last minute of the game. Yeah, exactly. And, and to your point, the Jets play at Buffalo next week, and then they got Miami on a short week on Black Friday. So, Oof. yeah, this is, cre- this is critical time for really both of these teams. So if the Jets have any – playoff aspirations they have to they have to win this game too i think it's a big game for both of these teams yeah and now there's been examples to go contrary to this but overall if you look at if you look at the the past i don't know five or ten nfl seasons by the time a team hits thanksgiving you know who they are right so if they're going up and down losing one winning one losing two winning one that's who they are right by thanksgiving inconsistent inconsistent. inconsistent right so the teams that start to exert their dominance now are teams that and, and around Thanksgiving are the teams that are going to are going to make those runs. So both of these teams could do that. They could. And I think that that's why Sunday is so important with the schedules coming up um, and, and what they're going to be able to do. But it, it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch this game, too, uh, from a coaching perspective, because you have Robert Sala over there and, and the staff of the Jets. And then you have Antonio Pierce and a bunch of new guys who are new at it all. Uh, but seem to be okay through one game at least. And that's just one game. That's what I tell people. One game is one game, and that's awesome. It's great for fans. It's great for the team. But it's all about consistency, as you said a second ago. So um, it, it'll it'll be interesting as we see these two teams uh, battle it because you're right, both at critical junctures because the next three weeks are going to be tough for both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott, I know you got to get out of here. Just tell everybody where they can find you and find your work, uh, what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, you can. uh, We have obviously a Raiders podcast and radio show. It's called Silver and Black Today, uh, which you can get wherever you get your audio. I also am an editor writer uh, at sportsnot.com. So do a little bit of sports writing too. doing more video these days than writing. That's just the world we live in. Uh, But uh, doing that as well, where I cover the I cover the Raiders there, but I also uh, cover the league as well as even some baseball and basketball occasionally. So I'm all over the place, uh, but football is my love and, and the silver and black today stuff is, is, is a number one uh, and uh, always love talking with you, man, and, and talking football and can't wait to see the game on Sunday. I know it'd be great, man, but yeah, I definitely have to have you back on uh, at some point throughout the year, but yeah, I'm glad you joined me. So yeah, thank you. Thank you to uh, Scott and, you know, thank everybody for tuning in and yeah, we'll have another bat page breakdown next week too. It's previewing the bills and the jets next week. So yeah, until then, I hope everybody has a good, good day and good week. And thank you for tuning in to bat page breakdown sponsored by bet online. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming. 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.